Hi, everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying, although they did this week. I'm Nathan. Ugh, I'm Evan. And I'm Matt. And yeah, all I can say this week is tech went out on the road to Western Kentucky and Marshall and lost and died. <laughs> they did. Yep. Remember how a couple weeks ago we talked about how hard it is to win on the road and how tech was great at it? Turns well, out they're not great yeah, at it, actually. Tur- so. Turns out Evan is a filthy liar. <laughs> that's, I think, what we can always take away from it, I think. Yeah, that's, that's what we can always take away from these episodes, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, let's go ahead and get this out of the way. We'll start with <laughs> Western Kentucky, the Thursday night game. Tech lost 65-54 to in a game that didn't really even feel like it was that close. An 11-point loss feels like almost a moral victory after how the first half went. Yeah, this was rough. I'm pretty mad that I signed up for a free trial of Fubo TV <laughs> to watch this game on CBS Sports Network. Do you want your money back? <laughs> yeah, I want I want all of my zero dollars back, please. Yeah, goodness, just an extremely sloppy game all around. Even Western played pretty sloppy, to be honest with you, but Tech just played worse. You know, they kind of one-upped WKU's <laughs> performance there. Yeah, Western Kentucky led 19 to 11 after the first 10 minutes of the game, and they really just never looked back. (laughs) Evan had in our notes that the first half was almost surreal to watch. Tech had eight fouls before Western Kentucky had a single foul called on them, and that was at 645 left in the half. Yeah, and and it was just like, is that zero right down there? Like, that can't be right. They've they've called like i mean they were just calling everything at one end of the court and nothing at the other like the same exact screens the same exact contact was not getting called you know it's to the point where you're like well tech i mean tech played awful and deserved to lose right no matter how many fouls were called but like there's a massive disparity here though yeah and 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 even towards the end of the game um or on the box score it looks a lot more even than the game was actually called so it, it was just like I said, surreal to watch, honestly, because eight fouls before they have one is uh, just yeah. ridiculous. I don't know if we've uh, dropped how many free throws they shot compared to how many we shot, but when they're going to the line 23 times and we're only in four times, uh, it, it, it makes you wonder. Yeah. We had talked last week a little bit about that was the thing we had down for Western Kentucky, what they're good at, and that's avoiding the fouls and not letting the other team go to the foul line. Mm-hmm. Western Kentucky is now second in the country at avoiding giving the other team foul shots. Wow. And so Western's good at that. But again, like Matt said, we attempted four and they attempted <laughs> 23. So and the game ended up, we lost the game by 11 and they got to the line almost 20 times more. Yeah, they, they went 19 for 23 from the line. So, I mean... That's 17 more points than we had from the line, yeah, which, you know, in an 11 point game, even though, like I said, we deserve <laughs> to lose because play that poop. Yeah. I mean, we played so sloppy and towards the end of the first half, I don't remember exactly when, but the announcers pointed out that tech had as many turnovers as they had field goals. Um, so yeah. it was like eight and eight and it was just like, guys, what yeah, are good. we doing? So, I mean, you know, we're called go tech, please don't die because tech does this. Sometimes they do not go and also die. And that's yes. exactly what happened here. They so, don't, they don't make yeah. it out of Ruston. Yeah. They died a couple nights later as well, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. In a totally different way. <laughs> yeah. One of the key points of this game too, is that Rawls, uh, the player for the Hilltoppers, it seemed like he could just drive into the lane at will doing whatever he wanted. And that's probably true when, on defense you're being fouled so much more often than you are at the other side of this court you start to 
try not to get too physical because you're scared of those fouls. Yeah. You're going to be on that. Mo looked lost out there, right? Yeah. Rawls was driving in on him and he was just kind of letting him run by. And I think it may have something to do with the fact that Western Kentucky is so small. And so they rely more on speed. And so when you're not used to playing a small ball lineup like that, when Mo's used to guarding like a 6'7 guy or a 6'10 guy down there in the lane, all of a sudden you got... I'm not sure how tall Rawls is, but you've got a guy that's less than 6'5 playing down there with you and you just can't keep up with him. So he looked like he didn't really know what to do to fix the problem and it never really got better all night. So yeah, Rawls is small listed ball. at six foot one. So yeah, that's okay. yeah. exactly small ball. Uh, that small ball probably led to a lot of offensive rebounds for Tech because that's something they did well in this game. They had a lot of offensive rebounds, but they just shot so poorly with matter. the possessions that they had. Yeah, it didn't end up mattering in the end. Yeah, if Tech had not had so many offensive rebounds in this game, we probably would have lost like 65 to 40 because we got a lot of second chance points since we missed so many of our first shots and we were taking a lot of bad shots. It just wasn't a good game all around. Nope. Yeah. And Tech outscored Western Kentucky 30 to 21 in the second half, but that was far too little too late yep. as the Bulldogs fell 65-54. Yeah. yeah. And j- just to mention, at a couple points in the second half, there were opportunities and there were some small runs that Tech went on, like Amori Archibald hit a couple threes in a row at one point, And then Gordon had a big play where he stripped the ball and went down and had a monster dunk. But And there was even a period where Western didn't score from the field for five and a half minutes. But Tech didn't close the gap at all because they just were turning the ball over or traveling or getting called for an offensive foul or whatever, you know. So it was just the story of the night like that. That little five and a half minute period there can pretty much tell you all you need to know. Western didn't score from the field and Tech pretty much just closed the gap by like two points. (laughs) So what an excellent thing to do. And that sucks. Yeah. It's funny because the final stats, like I said before, are pretty even. Both shot, they are. Both teams shot 32% from three. Both teams were in the low 40s in field goal percentage. But Western was up by double digits for pretty much the entire game. So what we saw was pretty much Western dominating the middle um, of the game. And then when they started to fall apart in the second half and you think, oh, hey, we, we might have a chance if somebody can step up, you know. But nobody had that killer <laughs> instinct. They, they, like you said, they never left Rustin for this one. Yeah, I'm still waiting to start. <laughs> uh, it was a bad road trip. In fact, that's the name of this podcast. Okay. I forced my hand. There's no way I can remove that part. A bad the... trip. A bad <laughs> that's trip. better. A band trip. And... Marshall game. 2014. And the bad road trip slash bad trip slash band trip, I guess, continued <laughs> as I traveled to Huntington, West Virginia to take uh... on Marshall. And a game that went to overtime, but didn't. Can we just do well can we there. just not go to Huntington, West Virginia ever again? Like, just refuse to go. When the schedule comes out, we're just like, no, we we protest. We're not going. <laughs> yeah, there was a reason why when we traveled to the football game, Evan, you and me, that we stayed in Ohio across the river because <laughs> I want to limit my amount of time in Huntington as much as possible yeah, after but, seeing what well, that happened. Well, and also months. bad things happen to to tech people in in Huntington, <laughs> so don't want to spend the night there. <laughs> to our followers out there in Twitterland, saw the uh, excellent tweet about West Virginia and where tech streams go to die. Yes, we don't want to go to West Virginia anymore. For- yeah. <laughs> It's a sad place. 
Yeah, early in the game, up until pretty late in the game, actually, it was pretty close, and Tech was in control of it. They weren't really hitting shots early, the Bulldogs weren't, but the defense was playing well enough to keep Marshall at bay. When Tech was finally able to start hitting shots, they got to 11 points, I think by 12 at one point, with four minutes left in the first half. Then there was the technical on Andrew Gordon that I want to talk about a little bit more in a second, and Marshall got hot from three. Tech's lead was four by halftime, and that's when everything changed. Yeah, so I was out at a bar not watching this game until overtime. I turned, I put it on my phone, but uh, what is the deal with this technical foul, Nathan? Uh, what happened there? Yeah, so Gordon got the ball, slammed the dunk, slammed the ball down in a dunk. Slammed the dunk. <laughs> slammed the dunk. <laughs> <laughs> and yelled, I guess, in the vicinity of a ref because he felt like he was fouled and won. Was he fouled or not? He was not called for a foul. It's okay. arguable that he was fouled. I mean, basketball is pretty right. fine right. line there between what's a foul and what isn't. So because there wasn't one, he yelled and won, and that was enough to award a technical <laughs> foul. And on, Andrew Gordon man. that night, let's talk about a stat line really quickly to show what the technical foul really did. Gordon was six from six from the field with eight rebounds, 12 points scored. Wow. Finished the night. That was his only personal foul. In 14 minutes, he had as many points as any other Bulldog outside of Ledoux. And to have basically force him to go to the bench Uh, when Tech had the momentum, they were up 11 or 12 at that point. And Marshall just started heating up as soon as he was out of the game. Started marshalling. Is that a verb? It is now. <laughs> All right. Marshall continued that streak of hitting shots into the second half. And Tech just, like they did against Western Kentucky, kept turning the ball over. Marshall went on a 13-1 to run to tie the game with three minutes and 20 seconds left. A big three from Bracey got Tech some momentum, but just sloppy play at the end of the game that caused the game to even get to OT. <sighs> yeah, that, gosh, Archibald did not, you know, live up to his uh, good free throw shooting there at the end of the game. Um, we went to the line with 19 seconds left, and we were up one when he got to the line. And so we could have been up three, but he only hit one of two. So thanks, bud. Yeah, I was I was sitting with my friend at the bar and we had put on the game by that point and my friend's like oh yeah at least you know at least you're going to the free throw line now because they're gonna foul you and i'm like <laughs> yeah but oh, about that. <laughs> we shoot like 60 <laughs> percent or what what do we even shoot i don't know but tech right now shoots 65.8 percent from okay. the line 308th yeah. in the country so then they they foul archibald and he's like "Ooh, they uh-oh they fouled your your shooting guard there how's he and i'm like he's actually our best player <laughs> and he's like what your point guard's not your best and i'm like no 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 don't foul him please <laughs> <laughs> so then what what happened after that nathan <laughs> after he missed the free throw yeah, he missed the free throw. Marshall gets the ball. They get to drive to the other side of the court. They put up a decent looking two shot. Not really much of a desperation, but they miss it. But they get the offensive rebound, put up mm. a second chance too that goes in. Yeah, just like a f- total fadeaway too. Like, yeah, we had good defense on him, but he I mean, that was a clutch shot from whoever hit it. So congrats yeah. to him, I guess. <laughs> Tech inbounds the ball. Bracey runs up the court. I think the plan was run across the court, step back three. But he sees that there's time remaining on the clock, and he knows the game is tied. He doesn't need to take a three if he doesn't want to take a three. So he wants to drive a little bit, but he gets caught up more than he expected, and so he's not able to get the shot off before the buzzer. And so the game goes to overtime, where Tech is just bad. The only way to really put it. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I, I mean, I trust Bracey, right, it, except from the free throw line, but um, <laughs> I, I trust him with the ball in his hands at the end of a game like that, where it's tied, you know, we just saw him literally one week ago win a game in this situation, but man, you just got to take the shot. I mean, he was pretty open from three, I think, right? So. Yeah. 
he had an opportunity to get a shot off anyway and just chose not to essentially so that kind of sucks yeah i don't blame him as much there as like archibald missing a free throw when he's an 80 percent shooter yeah or uh, all the other mistakes that happen throughout the game i understand when to go for a higher percentage shot and it just didn't end up working out but in overtime two really bad shots almost guaranteed the loss after marshall got even more momentum whenever time started ledoux tried to respond with a three from marshall with a three of his own that was not great and then <laughs> <laughs> and then Tech got the ball back. Gene shot a three that was so much of an air ball, you could have sworn it was a pass. Yeah, uh, gosh, it was ugly. And then down only four with seconds left, Tech gets a turnover. When you, you're you thinking, oh, are, are they actually going to be able to do this? But they take way too long to get a shot off again, a theme of the game apparently. And time expires yeah. without any, <laughs> any more points on the board and Tech loses by four. Yeah, I mean just it sucks to lose that way especially to a team that's not great and like we like we said it's hard to win on the road but like you got to beat marshall uh sucks yeah it's the worst outcome i think that i predicted that we were going to win both i failed miserably i think uh, i think the rest i think you guys said one and one yeah. so to yeah. come away with absolutely nothing at this point of the season really sucks yeah we're still so we're still in third place and we're pretty much guaranteed to be in the top pot i guess unless we fall apart at home this week against the florida schools just knocking on wood um <laughs> but you know are these two games the last two before pot play yes yeah we got to win one at least and then we'll be in for sure but man just a just a rough rough week two pretty bad games and apparently our defense just stayed in louisiana specifically because huh. gave up 83 points to marshall when we're allowing low 60s to all opponents across the season so and also i wanted to mention that uh andrew gordon's technical that sounds like bs to me came on the two-year anniversary of uh jacoby boykins getting called for two bs technical fouls and getting kicked out of a game uh -huh. for having fun uh, i don't know if you guys remember that but he had a pretty monster slam against uh i don't even know who we were playing but uh and he just like smiled and, and the ref teed him up <laughs> and it was the second technical because they called one on on like a loose ball situation in the first half but yeah the the announcer in that clip is just like livid he's like you can't eject a young man for having fun <laughs> you know he was he was really upset about it so yeah. Tech was playing Charlotte. Okay, I yeah. Googled it really quickly to see, and the headline from Hero Sports <laughs> is Louisiana Tech's Jacoby Borkins ejected for violent block and dunk, dot, 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 seriously. And the subline <laughs> is Louisiana oh. Tech guard Jacoby Borkins was ejected by a referee that should be working in a church league. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, yeah. USA riffs for you. <laughs> Seems like every I'm week we have to dog on day. them. <laughs> <laughs> And I really was having a bad day. Yeah, but luckily Tech returns home to play FIU and FAU this week at the Thomas Assembly Center. FIU is 17 and 8 overall, 8 and 4 in conference with a strength of schedule of 241, which is actually worse than Tech for once. Tech is 209. Yay! <laughs> Kempom predicts Tech to win 78 to 68 with a win chance percentage of 82%. Wow, that's I mean, FIU sounds better than that honestly at 17 and 8, 8 and 4, but I'll take it. We are the 17%. And then Massey also predicts Tech to win with a final score prediction of 77 to 68 and an 80% chance of winning. I'm here for it. I hope so. Yeah. FIU's gonna... best win 
came over a team that we just saw, I guess, in Western Kentucky. They're number 115 in Kempom, and they won that game by 5, 81 to 76. But just wow. to point out wow. a pretty bad loss by FIU, they lost to number 321 UMC Wilmington at home by 3, 66 to 63. I bet those players stormed the court after. Probably. The Golden Panthers are good at, or I guess they're just the Panthers now, is three-point defense. They only allow 27.1% shooting from three-point land. That's the second best in the nation. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Something they're not so great at, though, is defensive rebounding, which it feels like we've said a few times in the past. The opponent gets the offensive rebound on 36.3% of the shots they take. All right. Man, that bodes well. <laughs> yeah. Another game where Mohammed could really have an impact getting to the boards how are we at uh the tack this year how many games have we lost have we lost any yet just one the north texas yeah, game right? right yeah yeah well i mean we play well at home we need these wins that's for sure yeah after hopefully the win over fiu tech will stay at home and play fau the other florida twin the owls are 14 and 11 overall six and six in conference with a strength of schedule of 225 ken palm gives tech 87 percent chance to beat fau with a final score prediction of 72 to 60 massey gives tech an 85 percent chance to win with a final score prediction of 71 to 60 well, seems like we have a shot. FAU also um, beat West Kentucky, and that also qualifies as their best win of the season. They won by four this time, 69 to 65. And again, they lost to a number 320-ish level <laughs> school in Florida Gulf Coast, who's number 323 <laughs> in Ken Palm. FGCU, man. <laughs> yeah, that final score was 72 to 70, with Florida Gulf Coast being the victors in overtime. FAU is good at avoiding blocks. Their shots do not get blocked very often the 10th lowest in all of college basketball at having their shots get blocked. But they give up a lot of steals. They give up a steal on just over 10% of their possessions. That's 286th in the country. Oh, wow. So two areas that show up on the stat line a bit, blocks and steals. FAU is good at one, but not at the other. <laughs> so I just wanted to, to update real quick. Uh, Tech is now 70 in Ken Palm, so we dropped 15 spots after losing uh, both games. And then in the conference standings, like I said before, we're tied for third now. Uh, North Texas is at 10 and 2. Uh, Western Kentucky's at 9 and 3. Tech, Charlotte, and FIU are all 8 and 4. And then there are three teams at 6 and 6 Marshall, Old Dominion, and FAU. So we lost to Marshall, and we. If we lose to FAU, then we could fall out of the top. Uh, we could lose that fifth spot to be in the top pod. So we need to win one of these two games. Preferably both of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Finishing number one is technically a conference championship. But to me, that yeah. doesn't really mean much when yeah. that gets to the tourney. If you're in the top pod, you have a chance to, you know, win those games and then end up the conference champion, which does matter because you get an auto bid to the NIT. But, you know, we obviously want better things yes. than that. So who doesn't want to be in the not in tournament? <laughs> Speaking of things not that tournament. <laughs> make us sad. Uh, oh, let's do a quick texters update. Uh, they actually won a game. So that's something. Uh, and when I say a game, I mean one because they lost to Western Kentucky 84 <laughs> to 75. Um, uh, and this was a close game until the fourth quarter uh, when Western pulled away. Uh, they outscored the Texters by about 10 in the fourth. But then they came back and beat Marshall on Saturday night 60 to 50. 
Uh, and that was a game where neither team really shot the basketball very well. Tech went 33% from the field, but Marshall shot 29%. So <laughs> luckily, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty bad. Speaking of uh, texters and bad. and bad, yeah, uh, the softball team, who we obviously love and, you know, have never had Twitter beef with, <laughs> got started down in a, in a tournament in New Orleans uh, this weekend. And I was personally expecting big things. Um, you know, we've talked about their new coach, Maria Wynn Ratliff, but didn't go so well down there. They won eight to zero in their opening game and then lost to Montana and then lost to Houston Baptist and then lost to Texas Tech and finally lost to Central Arkansas. So uh, one and four is definitely not what I expected out of this weekend, but hopefully um, they can get those issues sorted out now that they've seen the team play. And I believe they play ULM on Tuesday. So hopefully we can uh, get back on track there. Hopefully the other diamond will go a little better. And that's a great transition to you, Nathan. You can tell because you said it was a great transition. Yeah. So yeah, first with baseball, what we kind of have to mention and what a post will I believe will already be out on the blog about are some of the pieces we'll be missing going into this year. Tech misses basically their entire pitching staff, uh, at least when it comes to starters. Matt Miller, Logan Robbins, Logan Bailey, they were all consistent starters and david liao who was injured for the first half of the year but still made some starts down the stretch and was still very good they're all gone to i want to say greener pastures but that makes it sound like a farm upstate or something <laughs> like they're dead and, and it's not just pitching that we miss either we're also going to miss mason mallard who was our best hitter in pretty much every statistical category last year the duck so the duck flew away he flew i'm not sure which direction but probably south of the <laughs> probably into a fan why would he fly um, into a fan? I don't know, guys. I'm really tired. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, now that you've uh, brought us down with who left, uh, what do we have coming back, Nathan? Yeah, so I mentioned that Mason Mallard led in every statistical category, but that was pretty much everyone except home runs. Parker Bates, who led the team in home runs with eight last year, will be back. Taylor Young, who's this year's team captain, so he's going to be back anyway. And he was the leadoff hitter, and he's very good at it. Uh, Steele Netterville, who struggled with strikeouts last year, he led the team in that's strikeouts. Just a, that's a baseball player's name, man. Steele Netterville. Netterville. What a yeah. what a baseball player, man. <laughs> uh, Steele Netterville had 69 strikeouts, and I had to make sure I mentioned that. Hey, uh, nice! Which is the fourth most in CUSA last year. Nice. 30% <laughs> of the time he stepped up to the plate, he struck out. <laughs> oh, man. But he also led the team in doubles with 18. That's the seventh most in Conference USA. And hit by pitches with 17, which was the fifth most in Conference USA. And we know you love those, Nathan. <laughs> yes. How many golden sombreros? I'll say X and let you solve for X. I, I don't I'm know what that means. Math. It's where you strike out four times. Oh, yeah. I don't yes. have that readily offhand. <laughs> is that not an advanced statistic? Yeah. Uh, Hunter Wells is another guy who will be back. He played second base last year, but he'll be moved over to third base. He hit the last pitch ever delivered in the Love Shack 1.0, which was a walk-off home run to beat, I believe, Little Rock or one of the Arkansas schools. Oh, nice. And then Kyle Griffin and Jonathan Fincher, who were our best relievers last year, they'll both be back. I think Kyle Griffin may actually get some starts at the beginning of the year, too. Nice. But, um, we don't have a home field this year, technically. Uh, yeah. Where are most of our home games being played? Yeah, so we're playing a few at Ruston High, a few at ULM, and a few at Jackson, Mississippi, and right. one of their old minor league parks. I don't think it's being used anymore other than maybe for some high school games. Most of our out-of-conference games against Louisiana schools are going to be at Ruston High, which is nice. Uh, and then our conference games are mostly in Jackson with a few at ULM. And then we also play ULM at ULM twice, but we'll play there a few times too. Well, so a year, basically a year on the road is what it's going to yeah. be for the, uh, the Bulldogs this year. That's yeah. 
That's going to be rough. I think that maybe in baseball, it's not that important, but it is, I mean, just not having a home stadium to come back to and how many, how many tech fans that would go if it was in Ruston would go if it's at ULM, you know, that's, it's a bit of a drive. You're not going to get many students going over there for that. So then you also add in the schedule itself, not just where they're playing, but the teams that they're playing. So there are 301 division one baseball programs. So if, let's draw the line at halfway at 150 and say like there's a top half and a bottom half. Tech only plays four teams, which is 12 games against teams that are in that bottom half, 150 to 301 ranked in Massey. If you ask me, that's a good thing. Wow. So 22 games against above average teams and 12 games above below average. Well, good. One I of those teams that's that we good. play that's above average is UL Lafayette. We play them four times, three times in Lafayette and once at Ruston High. They are 84th in Massey and 132nd in Baseball RPI. We also play Southeastern three times. They're 91st in Massey and 83rd in RPI. And those are the two teams that we'll be playing this weekend, both times in Lafayette. And Lafayette twice this weekend, too, actually. So, I mean, it's a good thing that we're playing good teams because... You know, when it comes to selection for the tournament, that's what they're going to look at is your opponents and your your record against those opponents. But it's a bad thing because we don't have a home stadium yeah. you know, to play some of these games at. And this is probably the sport that Tech can actually get an at-large to a, a NCAA tournament for because we've done it before a few years ago. A tech mm-hmm. has struggled in the Conference USA tournament. Tech struggles in tournaments? What? Yeah. That, no, that doesn't sound like But yeah, it's a problem for the Bulldogs. And getting an at-large would be huge and wouldn't put all the pressure on the tournament. And so if we're able to play well against the teams and have that chip on our shoulder of saying we're faced with this monumental task, how can we play up to it? And yeah. that could be a good thing for us. Yeah. And that's that's something that last week on BTB Radio, uh, Lane Burroughs was on and he talked about, you know, how he had to recruit players with no stadium to come home to. And he, he just said it's, you know, it's a it's a certain kind of player that just wants to go out and win and, and want and doesn't really care about all that other noise and so they're really excited about the class they got too even though we don't even have like facilities or a a literal place to play baseball right now so who are some of those new guys and and who should we look out for yeah the first name that burroughs has mentioned pretty much every time he's talked about these incoming guys is ben brantley he's a freshman first baseman uh he is listed as a very great defensive first baseman and has potential to be just an amazing hitter. There's a site called Perfect Game, which does a lot of this recruiting stuff for baseball and looks at, I think, 12,000 MLB draft selections and all the other kind of stuff Oof. they do. There's oh, wow. there's so much that goes into baseball that's past what football and basketball recruiting get into. And they gave him a grade of 9 out of 10, which oh, wow. is, by their definition, a potential top 10 round pick or oh, highest level God. college prospect. Yeah, wow. wow. Where is this kid wow. from? He is from Mississippi. He was the 23rd overall best player in Mississippi and the best first baseman in Mississippi. Wow. Uh, he had wow. all Mississippi honors his junior and senior year. He pitched in high school as well. He had dra- a fastball velocity of 88. He was not drafted. He was not drafted at all. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Which is a good transition to our second guy who I wanted to talk about really quickly, George Corona, a freshman catcher who was drafted by the Kansas City Royals. hey but chose to come to tech instead. <laughs> <laughs> what, when was he? Was he like a super late round pick? It was a 39th round pick. Yeah. So probably yeah, not a signing bonus attached to that one. Probably not. <laughs> 
This is maybe $39. <laughs> yeah, this is a guy Coach Burroughs really talked up last week. I think there are a few freshman catchers coming in, and this guy has really impressed them so far in, in camps and uh, and getting ready for the season. So he sounded very excited about, about uh, Corona. Yeah, another one of those nice. catchers coming in is Kyle Hassler, who, if you follow Tech Baseball, that last name may sound familiar because his older yeah. brother, Kent Hassler, was a pitcher for Tech only a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then speaking of pitchers, Shamar Page is hopefully a huge addition to the Bulldogs this year. He's a Juco transfer right-handed pitcher from Pearl River Community College, who Burroughs has done nothing but hype the guy. He has an ERA of 2.76 at the Juco level, over 166 innings, which is incredible. Oh, wow. And strikes out at a high rate. Uh, he would average about 10.9 strikeouts per nine innings, which if you just copy paste him onto last year's roster, even though that's different competition still, he would have been third on the team. Wow. And he can also play some first base if he's needed to. So huh. well, let's hope let's hope he's not. Yeah. yeah. And then the final guy who I want to talk about is Ryan Jennings. Although he uh, we may not see him much early. He was planned to be the Friday night starting pitcher, which is basically your number one pitcher, but he got injured with a shoulder and elbow injury, I forget which, and he's been shut down. And hopefully sometime in the near future he'll be able to, to actually start playing for the Bulldogs. And he's a JUCO transfer from Wharton Community College. Nice. I mean, it sounds like baseball is hard to predict how it's going to go, especially with our season being, you know, so weird with three home stadiums across, you know, a couple hundred miles away yeah. from tech. I mean, how, how do you think this season's going to go kind of as our resident baseball expert, Nathan? Yeah. So the conference who say media poll puts tech at, I think, third or fourth in the conference for what they predict. I that sounds about right to me. I can see us maybe getting being the second best team at best. I also see a pretty low floor with just by the end of the year, the amount of travel that catches up to you. Mm-hmm. And then you, you add even rain delays or rescheduling games or whatever that may have to happen. And then the whole ordeal with finding stadiums to play them in if if they're being used for other events already. It just, this sounds like a year where everything can go wrong, but yeah. I'm not usually the kind of person that believes that everything will go wrong. <laughs> Often I'm proven wrong, but <laughs> I don't have enough confidence to say that they'll make the NCAA tournament, but I think they'll finish at least top five in the conference and hopefully put together enough of a resume by playing some really good teams to at least get looked at. Uh, although my gut is telling me we'll probably be a first four out <laughs> kind of thing because that seems to happen a lot yeah. to tech sports team. Yeah. And, and I know that, you know, CUSA is a much better baseball conference than really anything else, it seems like. So we're probably getting two teams into the national uh, tournament, but um, I think you're right. It's going to be tough. And with teams like Southern Miss, I mean, they're really, really good, right? They're predicted to win the conference, I assume. Yes. And then moving over to football, we just got a transfer quarterback. Yeah, we can finally talk about him. Um, Luke Anthony is a graduate transfer senior from Abilene Christian University, which is over in Texas. He was a two-year starter for them. Last season, uh, as a redshirt junior, he threw for about 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, and 11 picks. ACU finished with a 5-7 and seven record. Uh, but we did actually have a common opponent last season, North Texas. So Anthony went 24 for 34 for 273 yards and one touchdown against the Mean Green. And for a reminder, Jamar went 24 for 38 with 263 and a touchdown and one pick. So, of course, Tech won that game 54-17, to 17, if I remember correctly. But Jamar didn't have his best game, and Luke Anthony actually kind of outperformed him. So um, what what do you guys think about this? Or is he the day one starter, or, you know, what, what do you think? 
I think it's awful, honestly. I uh, No disrespect, uh, but if you're putting up pedestrian-level numbers at a pedestrian-level level, then I don't really have a lot of optimism that you can come in and be the starter. I don't think he deserves to be the starter. I don't, I'm not saying that Skip's just going to be like, here you go, son, here are the keys to the tractor. But uh, And while we're driving tractors, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I don't think he's going to come in and be day one starter. Um, isn't the spring game coming up? We've got a couple months until the spring game. Our spring practice starts uh, March 12th or something like that. Right, so we're right around the corner from that. And then uh, there's just no way to know. I mean, I would think the incumbent, or not necessarily the incumbent, but the heir to the throne would be Aaron Allen. I think that he's played well enough to uh, make his claim. So I don't think he just handed over to the transfer guy who put up uh, pedestrian-level numbers at a lower-tier school. So no, I, I'm not saying he's terrible. I'm not saying he's great. Uh, I will not say anything until I see him on tape. I mean, here's my problem with that. Skip is not going to say, okay, you're the new guy. Here are the keys to the tractor, to use your metaphor. There you go. <laughs> but as a graduate transfer, he's not coming to Tech unless he thinks and is assured by Skip that he probably will win the, the starting job unless Aaron Allen just plays that much better in practice. He'll do well enough. And putting up pedestrian numbers against pedestrian-level opponents isn't great, but you also have to remember the rest of his team is also pedestrian. It's hard for yeah. one position to show out if he doesn't have the receivers or the O-line. To throw 11 picks. I mean, I haven't seen the I haven't seen the tape, but when you're only throwing 17 to you know 17 TDs to 11 picks, I mean, if you're throwing just egregiously awful passes, I don't necessarily think the system of the coaches is going to be able to save them. Yeah, um, that's fair. I disagree, but I understand your point. Personally, I'm I'm excited. I think he's going to come be the starter. I don't think he's the tractor thing. Whatever. I I don't think <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a foregone hand conclusion. You don't think it's going right. to be handed to him. But I I do think that. You know, like Nathan said, the kid's not coming here if he thinks going to be third on the depth chart behind the two guys we all thought were going to be starters. So, well, maybe so, but at the same time, I mean, there could be more in it for him. I mean, yeah, and for reference sake, Jeff Driscoll at Florida threw 23 touchdowns and 18 picks in his uh, four years there. So, and Jamar in 2018 threw 15 touchdowns and 10 picks. Yeah, but for Driscoll, Driscoll went a step down. He didn't go a step up. That's so fair. This, this kid's going a step up from, aren't they an FCS school or whatever yeah. they call themselves? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I haven't seen him play. Uh, I'll have to do some homework tonight to see how I can formulate a little bit more of an informed opinion. But uh, just off the stats you threw out, I'm really not all that impressed. Uh, I hope that he comes in and plays really well. And I'm not necessarily saying I want him to be the starter, but I hope it does turn out well. Like, maybe you guys are right. Maybe Skip's not going to bring someone onto the team for no reason. Right. And, and we also had Sokol, who was third string at Iowa, and then, you know, came here and had a had a great season. So I think, and maybe we're projecting past experiences onto this guy who maybe won't come in and, and be great. But I mean, Tech has, like Nathan mentioned, also, we have more talent at positions like wide receiver, which I know I was super pumped when we started this podcast about last year's group. And let me tell you something, when we get to the summer, I'm going to be hyping up the wide receiver group again, because it looks even better somehow to me right now. But, you know, we obviously have to wait and see how he fits in with the team. We have to, you know, is this a situation where like Driscoll and Sokol, he comes in and is named a team captain right away? I mean, that would be great, but we, we just have to see how he does in Ruston, you know? We still have the uh, spring game in April. Yes. Yeah. So that'll be a big telltale. We'll see then. Otherwise, it's just kind of a moot to speculate. Yeah. Uh, so let's do some more speculating hey! uh, and look at 
the other recruits that Tech has signed this year. Uh, Evan, are there any players that we're really excited about in both the short and long term? Yes, I'm very excited about Harlan Dixon uh, in the short term. He's the running back from Slidell High. Shout out Tigers, uh, class of 09. Woo! And Nathan's class of 13, but you know. 12. Or 12. Oh, damn. Wow. <laughs> I just added four to 09 and forgot that years don't work that way. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Harlan Dixon, he may not contribute in the 2020 season, but he'll probably see action in four games at least. The reason I think that is because this kid, if you watch his tape, is like he could be a wide receiver. He's his hands are that good and he runs great routes. So he could be that threat out of the backfield receiving that we know that we like to have in the screen game and running wheel routes and stuff like that. So uh, I, I really think that he could complement Henderson's game. That's who I'm really excited about in the in the short term. But again, he may not it maybe not 2020, but 2021, I think he'll be a big factor. And then in the long term, I'm most excited about Caleb Holstein, the quarterback we talked about on last week's episode. He's a pro style QB that's just I mean, he just seems really good, and it seems like a great pickup for Tech. He's not officially on the roster until 2021 anyway, and he probably won't really be in the mix to start until 2023, but, you know, he... A real long term here. Yeah, he could be the QB of the, you know, not-so-near future. (laughs) The future is future. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, what about you guys? As uh, far as a player that I'm really looking forward to contributing and forward to contributing right off the bat, Jamarian Jones, cornerback. He actually started off, it looks like, at Southern Miss and uh, found his way to a uh, community college. Uh, Not sure what the story is there, but uh, he's one to look out for. He's got great height. Uh, he could be, you know, that jolt that we get after losing a meek this season. So that's my guy right there. Yeah. Nice. Maybe he, he's just the reverse Jack Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Abraham just came into their locker room talking so much trash about tech. And that guy was, Hey, that actually sounds nice. I'm going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I think that sounds really nice. Yeah. And I'll stay with that trend of trying to replace a meek and i'll pick dallas taylor cortez another juco uh defensive back this one coming from iowa western community college who had an offer from marshall he i think will make a huge impact in the short term as we try to fill the gaps not left just by a meek but also uh roberson sneed uh, sneed is who i was thinking of oh, also yeah, by sneed. Yeah. and also roberson too right so yes yeah. that's a huge pull in the back end of our secondary that hopefully some of these guys can step up and and take a part of and then for my long-term pick for who i'm excited for for the future i'll also pick a quarterback and just because quarterbacks are a crapshoot i'll say jd head who was the one everyone was excited for until they heard that we had stolen someone away from harvard when we got (laughs) holstein but jd head's put up impressive high school numbers but we'll just have to wait and see if he develops to be the quarterback we know he can be but yeah, for this week's tweet of the week to kind of wrap up the show here, we have a tweet from either our friends or our enemies, I guess both at the Daily Dragon. Louisiana Lafayette and UAB added a home and home series, and they replied with a tweet saying, I don't know who Louisiana is, but I know that UAB just added a home and home with ULL, keeping that shade going to yep. the school in Lafayette that wants to call themselves by a different name. Yeah, I love that the whole CUSA has pretty much just said like, no, we're not we're not buying into this crap. Like the Sun Belt was finally just like, okay, fine, you guys can call yourselves whatever you want, whatever. But our friends in Western Kentucky and our and our friends at UAB are like, no, 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 no. <laughs> they they are not Louisiana. They are ULL. So that is a very good tweet, and we appreciate 
you all fighting the good fight with us. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the GoTech Please and Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or go to our blog where I'll have quite a few baseball posts up this week. At Nathan's GTB been working D-D-D-D-Dog. hard. Yeah, I have <laughs> quite a few notes to put into post form. <laughs> but until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And GoTech, please don't lose to both Florida Twins. Please Come don't. On. Please. Jeez. Yogi, shh, calm down, dude. Hey, I need you to shut up, bud. His name is Yogi, Yogi. Like the cartoon character. Yogi, go away. Hey, go. Sorry, he's bark- <laughs> Some- something's happening outside that he thinks he needs to bark at. I'm going to have a dog and name him Boo Boo.